Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Brand Your Practice podcast, where you get to learn about branding, marketing, and scaling your private practice. I'm Brent Stutzman, and today we're going to be talking about three solid strategies for creating a successful and sustainable private pay practice. And to help me do that is Dr. Deb Leggy. She is the founder of Private Pay Practice. And for the past 26 years, Dr. Leggy has helped thousands of therapists create successful, sustainable private pay practices. By teaching others the same proven strategies she uses to keep her own practice filled with 80 to 90% self-pay clients, Deb has empowered clinicians all over the country and around the globe to grow thriving, sustainable practices faster than they ever thought possible. Welcome to the show, Dr. Deb. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So we're going to be talking about three solid strategies uh, for creating a, success, a successful and sustainable private pay practice. But first, tell us a little bit about how you developed this passion to help clinicians go the private pay route. Well, when I first started out uh, over, like I think it was 26, 27 years ago, um, I was a rehab counselor in psychiatry. And at that time, counselors in general were not licensed in New York State. So I knew coming out of grad school that I would not be able to participate on insurance panels and that I would be 100% private pay from the start. And um, Wait, hold that on a was... second, hold on a second. You were... <laughs> Wait, so <laughs> you, were, you were helping out a psychiatry practice? Um, I was trained um, in, uh, as a rehab counselor in psychiatry. So my, my mentors and my, um, the people who I interned with were all were psychiatrists or psychiatric nurse practitioners. Okay, okay. And uh, so when I came out into private practice on my own from grad school, I knew I would not be able to take insurances, so I had to build a private pay practice right from the very beginning. Now, why couldn't you take insurances? Like because... Counselors in New York State were not licensed at that time, so the only people who could be on insurance panels were psychologists and social workers. So PhDs, PsyDs, and those with a, the L LCSW behind their name. Correct. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay, so that's a challenge right off the mm -hmm. bat. <laughs> yes. Yes. And in fact, when I was licensed in 2006, I think it was when New York State got licensing, my license number is zero 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 twenty eight i think something like that <laughs> makes me feel really old yeah. but really it only goes back to 2006 i promise <laughs> one of the originals yes yeah. <laughs> okay sorry to interrupt you i was just like wait hold on i gotta get context around <laughs> no this. problem okay go ahead keep going okay so um i was in private practice and i was um all private pay and we wanted a, a friend of mine who I was in private practice with we decided to go out on our own and rent space of our own but we wanted to bring people in with us and the only way to do that would be to get renters and to help them build their practices and many of the people who came into our practice either didn't want to take insurance or they weren't able to and take insurance so I started by helping them kind of learn how to do it for themselves and then more and more people, I, you know, I was teaching at the time, so many of my students would come out and they'd want to know more about it. And it just kind of grew and grew from there. Now, why do you think the interest was so, I mean, that's a lot of interest that you were generating or they were interested in. What do you think that was? Mm. I, I, when I was teaching, I was really shocked. Every time I would talk about private practice, 
that was the only time in the classroom would like go completely silent and everybody would listen hundred <laughs> percent. You know, I think many of us go into our grad programs wanting to go into private practice eventually, but thinking that maybe I can't, I'll never be able to get clients. Um, why should people come to me? There's so many other therapists in town. Um, so I guess anybody, including me, who put out any ray of hope that this could happen became, you know, somebody that they wanted to listen to. And when I saw that, and, and I also saw so many of these people um, going off into work for agencies and hospitals and schools, and that's really hard work. And they were working so hard and not really being paid well. Um, and that really bothered me. Um, so I wanted to empower clinicians to be able to get paid for working hard and do it on their own if that was their choice. Yeah. And what a gift. Mm. <laughs> what a gift to give somebody. And especially that empowerment piece is so mm -hmm. important. Okay. Well, 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 thanks for being on the podcast. And so let's jump into these, the three solid strategies that you're going to be sharing with us. Sure. I'm happy to do it. Um, as I said earlier, a lot of people have problem thinking that they can possibly do this kind of work. So over the years, I've done a lot of coaching. Um, and I've done programs, I've done products, I've done one-to-one -one coaching, I've done um, group coaching, but pretty much in the last six, five or six years, I've really boiled down to one, one way to do it, and it's a, a coaching program that I have, and it's a group coaching program, and it is broken down into these these um, these components because I found that people want to learn how to bring in private pay clients. They want clients into their practice, but they aren't doing the foundational work that needs to be done so that they can sustain it. So they might, you know, a lot of us go out and our, our main marketing strategy is prayer um, or we try, you know, we drop off cards and hope that the phone's going to ring or, you know, we just don't know what to do. And so I really wanted to teach people to, to really take them back to some really more traditional um, marketing techniques that weren't associated with um, our, our type of industry and to go back to the solid foundation. So these solid strategies have to do with the, the foundation that you need to build in order to get to the point where you can feel confident that you are, can not only get private pay clients now, but that you can get them for the duration of your, of your career. I mean, I've been doing this now for, you know, for almost 30 years and it's still happening. Yeah. So that's a good thing. So yeah. we start out with that, that foundation. And it's pretty, pretty much broken down into you really have to know 100% who you are, what you do, and whom you serve. Those three things. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. um, when you go out and you're nervous anyway, and you're going to be talking to people about what you do, if you're not really clear on who you are as a clinician, your passion, you know, when I talk about the people that I serve, I, I don't have to really think about it. It just comes naturally and I get excited and, and then they get excited, right? But if I'm just going out there saying, you know, I have this practice and it's brand new and I'd really appreciate it if you could send me some referrals, you know, people might be really nice and they'll be nice to you and they'll send you one or two people, but they're going to forget about you. Right. So you have to know who you are and be able to present that in a way where your passion comes through and people know that you are the person that should be associated with that thing. Um, you need to know what your big result is. You know, what is the big result 
that most of your clients get when they work with you. And it, and it's, um, you know, kind of transcends things like symptom management or, you know, things that are more general. It's more like, you know, are you an empowering person? Are you, you know, what are the, what is, what drives you? And that really comes through and that people really benefit from when they work with you. You got to be able to, to know what that is and put it into words. And then yes. you have to, yeah, right? So, and then you have to be, and then to, all of that together, you need to be able to speak their language so that when you are presenting yourself and you are talking to potential clients and potential referrers, that they will hear you. We've got so much noise in the background and so many emails and so much stuff that people, they kind of, you know, we tune out to it. But, you know, it, it would be right. It, that's that's how it happens. So if I'm, for example, if, if I'm going to specialize um, in working with people who have panic disorder, for example, I could say something like, you know, I can help you with symptom management of your anxiety. I can help you with some stress management. Um, you know, I can go down that path or I can say things we can work when we work together we'll work so that you can stop canceling those plans at the last minute because it's too terrifying to leave the house beautiful right you know or you know you can go to the grocery store again without leaving a cart of groceries at the back of the store as you run out the front <laughs> you know that's the stuff people are going to hear yeah yeah okay. and even like yeah and and we'll help you get through the work day so you don't have to take a day off or yes, something like that yes exactly right? that's exactly it mm -hmm. so um, there are two ways I think to speak their language to you've got to know who they are You're, you know you have to know who your ideal client is mm -hmm. and you know I think sometimes people are, are kind of concerned about choosing who their target market is and their and their ideal client within that market because they're afraid that they won't be able to fill their books Right. And right, you know, it's sometimes we're just happy for somebody with a pulse in a pocketbook, and we're, we'll put them <laughs> in our book and fill it, fill it up. But we're not happy; they're not happy. We deserve better; they deserve better. So the thing is, if you really know who your ideal client is, then you are able to know a lot about them. You know what keeps them up at night. You know what they worry about constantly during the day. You know the things that are tearing them up because you've talked to them, you've worked with them, you've you've been around them. You just know how to communicate with them you can relate yeah um right so if you can um if you can do that that's your first step towards speaking their language right and it but, also it also like positions you as the guide a trusted guide to actually help them absolutely. like because it's sort of like this person just knows me they know everything about me and that kind of trust and that's something you could do on your website or Mm -hmm. referral sources or anything to be mm -hmm. known to be solving that one problem is so mm -hmm. important as you build out your brand that will be able to command private pay mm -hmm. yes when you have it when you have an ideal client and you can tell the world who that is though you get a lot of benefits from that first of all you know where to find them because right. you know you'll know which gatekeepers to approach mm -hmm. um, that and where they hang out they know that you specialize in them, so that makes them feel more comfortable and they want to work with you. You know, if I had to have my gallbladder out, I'd really, really feel happy to go to somebody who's got, has done this a few times, right? right? Yeah. That's right. And, you know, it's so important to be able to know where to find them and know and have them know who you are and that you're for them right from the start. It starts yeah. to build the trust. People are only going to do business with you to the extent they trust you.
Mm-hmm. And so we don't have a lot of time to do that in the very beginning because half the time we're not speaking their language, so they're going to ignore us or they're going to see us as a generalist and they're going to forget about us. Mm-hmm. So you've got to make your mark. Um, so if you can remember that um, you got to always be answering, I call it the big question, and that is, <laughs> that is, why should I, given all of my um, options, including doing nothing at all, why should I do business with you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always have to be thinking that way when I'm putting out, when I'm putting any information out, whether it's on a website, whether it's on my Psychology Today ad, whether I'm talking in public or even just with a small group of people. Mm-hmm. I have to believe that I have, it's my obligation to educate the public as to why I'm the best choice for them. That's right. That's right. right? Yeah. Convince me, right? Because you're, a lot of therapists forget they're essentially in sales, especially yes. in that front end part. Like they have mm-hmm. to sell themselves. It's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And they don't teach you that in grad school one no. inch. Not at all. <laughs> not yeah. at all. How do I take, I always, I have this line, it's like, what I do is I help take, I get, I take their clinical skills and turn it to a brand so their ideal client will want to work with them. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is they spend thousands of dollars learning these clinical skills and not once do they teach them how to actually brand it and market that so they'll have a caseload. Yes. <laughs> you know, so absolutely. You got to know that ideal client. You got to be able to speak their language. You got to go to the places where they're hanging out and you can talk mm-hmm. to their trusted Mm-hmm. The people that they trust, whether it's doctors or whatever it might be, I uh, am. I talk about you need to be number one in their mental Rolodex, mm-hmm. so to be known as that one person that can solve that problem for them. And if you mm-hmm. can do that, you'll create an army of referral sources. And at the end of the day, you only need like three or four really good referral sources. I you know. completely agree. It's hard to um, convince people when they're first starting out, but I completely agree. And and eventually you really don't need any because you're getting all word of mouth referrals. All the time I get calls from people that say, my doctor, Dr. So-and-so told me I need to come and see you and I've never heard of Dr. So-and-so. So I know That's that right. they got my name from somebody else. You yeah, know? well, you know the other thing, here's, okay, so we, um, the same thing has with my clients because I do a lot with like the website building. Like I help them show up on Google when people need them. Mm-hmm. But here's the other thing, you know what doctors do? they go to Google, they're like, okay, my client is struggling with this. And if they don't have anyone in their network, they go to Google. Mm-hmm. And so that's also like another weird thing that like, cause my clients are like, I've never heard of this doctor before, but they refer to me and I'm like, yeah. they probably found you on Google and now you mm-hmm. need to write them a thank you note. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so important. I think the other mm-hmm. thing you have to remember is that if you can remember this, this is really helpful uh, that when you're talking about what you what you can do for people you really need to frame it in terms of benefits rather than features yes i think as clinicians oftentimes we are maybe a little um concerned oh do i you know why are they going to come to me do i have the qualifications how many years of experience do i have compared to this other person and you forget that all people really want to know is what can you do for me Mm-hmm. That's in their mind all the time. What can you do for me? And if you're not answering that question in the conversation with them, they're going to glaze over. They're going to not think that you're for them. And it's not going to work. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And clinicians also f- fall into the trap of psychobabble where they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we could do bibliotherapy or we could mm-hmm. do psychosomatic, whatever, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. 
And at the end of the day, they're like, I don't care. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I don't care about any of that. Any can of I it. actually, can my kid actually go to school for the day? Will mm-hmm. he stop hitting the neighbor's kids? Mm-hmm. Um, will I be able to actually connect with my spouse? Like, yeah. you know, all those things. And Absolutely. so, yeah, it's fascinating. I did. It a, is. I did a, uh, we were working with a, an intern and I was like the guinea pig for an intake session. Uh-huh. And they started talking about like, just psychobabble, mm-hmm. you know, and I work with therapists all the time, but I thought I found myself like, this doesn't matter to me at all. I just mm-hmm. want to know if she can help my son. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and it's all so I have important. to do is say like, I see you. I see you. This is, this is, I see it's really hard to parent during this time, but I can help them. I can help them. We'll work on ways to, so they don't hit the neighbor's kid. You right. Know, just very, very simple. They don't need to know how the sausage is made. Mm-mm. They just want to know if you can help them. Yes. So, sorry, and, and I went on a tangent there. <laughs> that's not, it, it's not really, it, I mean, that's, you're right on, you're spot on with it. And I think, especially when people are starting out, they think, well, maybe I need like this certification, or maybe I should take that other training so I can put these letters after my name. And people don't, aren't looking at that stuff. They just want to know, can you help me? Mm-hmm. They're, they're in pain. They're in trouble. They're in distress, uh, many different things, bad, you know, not so great things that they just want to know, can you help me? Yeah. So if you're talking about the features, you know, I can see you on Saturdays and I've got 10 years experience and I've got this uh, training and that training, that's all well and good. Put it on your CV, put it on your about me page somewhere kind of, but you got to be able to always be answered. Even in your about me page, it has to be about them, how you're benefiting them. You can talk about your features in terms of benefits to them. And when I say them, it's not only your potential clients, it's your potential referrers as well. well. Okay, so you got to think about that. And if you so if you're talking about benefits for a client with panic disorder, the benefits are going to be you're going to talk about clinical benefits and things that are how their life is going to be better when they're they're not ruled by panic attacks but if you go to the physician's office where you'll find a lot of those people and they will you'll get referrals from them you're not going to be talking about that you got a physician who is overworked not knowing who to refer to people to who to refer people to in the in the community overwhelmed they don't have any time to deal with the um, psychological stuff because they give, they've got to focus on the physical. So the benefits that you've got to give to them is, look, all you need to do is give my number to your patient. And if I can't see them, I'm happy to provide them with a couple of referrals into the community. Boom, boom, boom. They're happy. They're covered. You're sending them a follow-up letter, you know, when you do see their people so you can cover their butts in their charts. Yes. That's how you benefit them. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That is, I hope the listeners are taking really good notes on that part because being able to work with referral sources Mm -hmm. and and give them assurance and make them feel like they can trust you Mm -hmm. is going to be so powerful. It's going to be a wonderful thing for your practice. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we covered a lot there on the, you know, building that solid foundation on (laughs) ideal clients and how to work with referral sources, talking about the things that you'll actually what you're actually selling is peace of mind, confidence, being able to get to work, you know, all those things. Mm-hmm. You're not so much selling your clinical skills, but the things that you, the end results we help them with. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's jump on to the, to the second point. Sure. In order for you to go out and talk about these things and actually think about them for yourself, 
um, with any confidence, you have to look at any mindset traps that you might have from your past, from your present, from your experience of the world. You know, I've so, I oftentimes when I'm coaching um, therapists, they're afraid to charge for no-shows, they're afraid to raise their fees, they're afraid really to talk about private pay because they feel guilty. Um, they feel that um, somehow helping people and making a lot of money are mutually exclusive. Um, and I think we're, we are socialized to do that. I think in our grad programs, unless you're in a program to be an MD, um, I believe that we are trained that we are servants mm -hmm. and we are taught that, you know, you help people and we won't talk about money. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or burnout is an honorable way to yeah. go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You go down with the ship and we will give you a trophy for that. Posthumously, right. of course. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Right. So we get caught up, though, because we're, we're, we're brought up in, in the world and we have experiences. And maybe, maybe we've been brought up in poverty. Maybe we've been brought up in families where you don't talk about anybody else's money. Maybe you're brought up in a, um, in a, in a way where you, know, you can't say no to people. You don't feel comfortable saying no. It's okay to have all those kinds of mindsets as long as you're aware that they exist and you're working on them and you try to um, really make sure you have it, um, have it under control when you're doing your business because it will, it, it'll blow your business apart. If you don't believe that you deserve to be paid well, then you won't be paid well. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And, and one of the greatest gifts anyone can give another clinician is you can charge more and it's okay. Like you're mm -hmm. worth it. Mm -hmm. Like you are worth, you are worth $150 an hour because if that couple doesn't get help, they're going to end up in litigation and lose houses and cars mm -hmm. and everything else. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> like you are worth that. And, mm -hmm. um, and that is, we, my wife and I've done that for a few therapists and they've come back weeks later. Like, thank you so much for that. I raised my prices. I can make ends meet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, mm -hmm. uh, you're right. There's this mindset where you kind of, it sounds like you have to live in poverty mm -hmm. if you're going to be a clinician. And that's not the case. And that's not good for you for the long term. That's right. Or for them because you won't be there for them. That's right. You'll be out of business. Mm -hmm. And there are two, two things I can um, talk about with regard to value. One is when I was uh, mentoring with Michael Port. Michael Port's one of my uh, mentors that I trained with. And Michael talks a lot about FEPS benefits, the financial, emotional, spiritual, and physical benefits that people get from working with you. And some of these things, this person isn't going to end their lives. <laughs> this marriage isn't going to end. This child is going to be able to go back to school. Um, when you think about these, these are just, you can't put a dollar figure on those things. Right. You just can't. Right. Um, the fact that this person is going to be able to go back to work, this person is going to be able to physically be able to go to the gym again so they can be healthier, they're going to be able to be around people again so that they can feel a spiritual connection again to the, to the world. You know, those are things you can't put a dollar figure on. So when you're having trouble with thinking about how valuable you are, you think about those things. Mm -hmm. But it's very important to remember that you do not have to justify your fees your client has to justify your fees. Okay? Yeah, say so that again. That you again. don't have to justify your fees. Your client has to justify your fees. Mm. 
your client, if I go to the store and I see, and I'm looking for an item and I see two or three of them and they're different prices, I'm going to look and I'm going to think which one is more valuable to me at that I'm willing to pay the price. And that's what the client's going to do too. So your responsibility in helping them justify your fees is you have to give them the information they need to determine that you are the best choice. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Cause you think about like do I buy the organic bananas or the mm-hmm. regular bananas and I'm going to pay 20 cents more per banana. Now, why, what can I do to justify, like, what is the reasoning? That's really fast. So you can almost reverse, reverse that on yourself mm-hmm. as you look at your website or whatever. Mm-hmm. Am yes. I actually helping my clients justify the value that I'm providing as is attached to this fee, this dollar amount? And the only way to do that is for them, for you to educate them about the value that you provide. Oh, I love that. Yes. It's your responsibility to do that. You know, if you really feel that you're meant to serve the people that you're, you feel meant to, you're meant to serve, then you have a responsibility to let them know you're there for them. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to feel bad about calling on referral sources. You don't have to feel bad about telling people how you can help them. You don't have to feel bad about educating them as to why you're the right choice for them. It's your responsibility to do that because otherwise they're not going to have the opportunity to to work with you. Mm. Yeah. I have nothing else to add to that. Okay. Oh, so good. Well, <laughs> is there anything you want to add to that one? <laughs> no, well, I, I, there were just a couple of other mindsets that you know I just wanted to mention quickly because we could talk about mindset all day. But yes. um, you got people need to get past the scarcity mindset. Yeah. People are afraid. There's not. There aren't enough clients. I'll never fill my book. There. I've got 50, 50 clinicians within a one mile radius, radius of me. Okay. Let me tell you just one thing from my experience in life. <laughs> there are more than enough clients to go around. Yeah. There will always be way more clients than we could all serve. And we, we're all seeing, we're seeing it now. Yeah. Right. COVID, yeah. The pandemics is going to provide mm-hmm. enough clients for the next five years. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. a huge trauma, collective right. traumatic event. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So scarce, scarcity mindset needs to really be put in check. If you, mm-hmm. if you know that you have that in your mind. Um, also, this is not a competition. I don't care if there are 50 people down the street because I get excited about that because I can be a really good source of referral for those 50 people, mm-hmm. you know, and as then they can be great places for me to refer family members of my clients and, and et cetera. So we're, we should be working together and collaborating and not feeling there's any competition whatsoever. That's right. And that builds a lot of goodwill between other therapists that you're referring to because like you have, you, you have your ideal client, right? You start Mm -hmm. with one. These are the only people I work with. And Mm -hmm. so if they're not in that category, then I'm going to refer them to other trusted Mm -hmm. sources. And that just does a lot for building your network. It really does. So true. Mm -hmm. So true. Yep. And then the other thing is, um, you're not bothering anybody. You know, I think we think, oh, that doctor is really busy. I I really don't know if I should make that phone call. I, I probably we have a we have a group practice, so we I think we have fourteen or fifteen clinicians in our group, and there's nobody take nobody in our group is is taking new people right right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I probably I, I just picked up my messages and I had uh, eight calls and they were six new clients and this is like almost every day. Yeah. So I'm putting out you know 
easily putting out three, 400 referrals into the community outside of our practice every single year. And if I don't know who you are, shame on you. Because I can't, I can't refer to you. Mm-hmm. you I'm thrilled if if someone call if someone if I get information from people and say, hey, I'm an eating disorder specialist. Hey, I see couples. I do this that. I'm like so excited because I'm desperate for these resources. Mm-hmm. So if you think that you're in the way, you're not bothering anybody, and your time is just as important as theirs. Don't drop in on them. Can I just say that? Don't drop in on people, not for any other reason, except you have to keep, you have to position yourself. If you're dropping in on people, what are they going to think? They're going to think, geez, doesn't this person have anything better to do? No, you've got to position yourself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's all about this. You, If you want to fill your practice with private pay clients, they need to know how valuable you are, and they need to be thinking, oh, my God, she's so busy. Mm-hmm. I don't want to yeah. waste her time. I don't want to bother mm-hmm. her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be yeah. aware of the positioning. Love so it. that's those are the kind of mindsets. You know, is there a, a, the abundance? Of course, there's an abundance there. There's an abundance in the world. There's an abundance of people to serve. There is no doubt. And if you are, you know, part of your ideal client, part of the definition of your ideal client is a person who is able and willing to pay you privately. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, that's just part of the, the definition of your ideal client if you want a private, private pay practice. And you don't have to feel ashamed of that mm-hmm. because people with money or people who are willing to spend that money, they have problems too and they really need your help. Yeah. And there are people who are willing to work eight hours a day to sit with you for 45 minutes. Right, because they value that. Yes. That's actually going to give them life. Yes, I never, ever have problems about talking about money. I never have problems talking about that with people who don't have money. Those kinds of conversations come from people with money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... I wouldn't worry about it. And and also, let me just, can I just throw one more thing in there? Sure. Because yeah, <laughs> I, cool I get going on this thing. Um, if you're looking to raise your fees, if like if your book is full and you've got 10 people on a waiting list, please raise your fees. And if you're worried about raising your fees by $20 going from $130 to $150, if somebody's paying you $130, they're going to pay you $150. And if you, they're not, they don't need to justify $150. They just need to justify $20. bucks. mm hmm Okay, right. you're thinking 150 oh, yeah. when they're thinking, oh, it's 20 bucks. Yeah. I got a short story about this. Actually, it's okay, a really good. great story, not a short. So my wife, uh, she raised her fees uh, even more, and mm-hmm. um, she sent in. So we, we wrote out an email. We weren't justifying it. We're just saying, hey, everybody, we're going to, those fees, whatever. And, you know, there's a lot of anxiety around that because it was a significant jump. Mm-hmm. No one quit. In fact, she actually got a couple emails back saying, thank you for all that you do for my kid. Mm, isn't that nice? <laughs> it it's was. so nice. It's, and people are sincere, sincere about that stuff. That's a great story. Yeah. And there wasn't like any blowback, like, how could you, you greedy mm-hmm. person, blah, blah, yeah. blah. It was all like, thank you. Thank you. Or, yeah. or nothing. Just yeah. like, all right. Yeah, so, no problem. And, th- and then, you know, the, the thing is that, People aren't going to mind that, and you don't have to feel bad about it. You know, sometimes people hear me talk about this stuff, and they'll say, "Oh my goodness, that's all you think about is money." It's like, no. If you mm-hmm. want, if you you if the the more you make in your private pay fee, 
if you want to open up one or two or three pro bono spots in your week, every week, you can do it. Yeah. You can take some of your money and you can share it with people. You can, you know, take care of your family. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes people sit and they think, you know, especially clients, they'll, they might sit with you and they might be paying you 150 and they're saying, oh, she's probably seeing eight people a day times five days a week. And she's, but they're not thinking about, and she lives in New York state. So there's 45% that goes to taxes between That's right. That's <laughs> state right. and federal taxes. And then there's rent and, you know, they don't think about all this stuff and you, they don't need to that, that your stuff's not their problem, That's but right. Don't get don't get lost in that. Don't be worried that they're thinking. Don't worry about what they think. Yeah, you're not responsible for their emotions. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, great. Thank you. Well, before we go on, I want to let the listeners know that there's a good chance that your website is probably losing you potential clients. Mm. As a digital marketer who specializes in mental health professionals, I have seen a lot of therapy websites that confuse potential clients. When they land on your website, potential clients often don't know what you do, how you can help them, or even the first step to just get started with your services. And when you confuse, you lose. Confusion is the number one enemy of your website and your marketing. So I put together this simple guide, five website items every private practice needs. Look, if you want to turn your website into a 24-7 sales engine, go to brandyourpractice.com slash blog. That's brandyourpractice.com slash blog, and it's right there at the top of the page. If you implement just a few of these website tips on your homepage, you eliminate confusion, and your ideal client will want to schedule an appointment with you. And there's a good chance your website isn't doing that for you right now, but it can today. Go to brandyourpractice.com slash blog and download the PDF today. All right. Well, let's jump into the final tip for us. This has been such a wonderful conversation. (laughs) Thanks. I'm enjoying it, too. I love talking about all this with you, Brent. It's great. Um, Okay, so we want to have that solid foundation. We want to have a solid mindset. And then you also need to have a solid plan because you don't want to spend your entire week thinking about marketing. You know, we're clinicians. We want to help people. We want to spend our time with people and with our families and our the stuff we like to do. Mm-hmm. So in order to make your marketing more efficient, it's important to really um, have some good strategies and plans of how you're going to reach out and how you're going to make that most effective. Um, it's really important to know where you're going to find your ideal clients. Mm-hmm. You got to think about where am I going to find these people? Where do they hang out? What do they read? Um, what s- social media platforms are they on? Um, what kind of doctors do they go to? Are they seeing attorneys? Is it the schools that, that I'm going to find these people? Mm-hmm. Um, because you, you, you think about your, um, your gatekeepers, who are the people that can get you in front of a lot. They can send you to clients. You know, gatekeeper might be, um, if we go back to the uh, panic disorder example, it would probably psychiatrists, OBGYNs, primary docs, those kinds of things you're going to see. Um, those are your gatekeepers. Mm-hmm. But there are also what I call key players, and that would be somebody who for maybe maybe is an editor of the family section of your local newspaper who might be able to get you in front of your a lot of people. They might, they might not be able to refer people to you, but they can get you in front of a lot of people. Yeah, you could write an article for them. They're always Absolutely. looking for... For content, you know. Okay, so another quick side. Sorry for the interruption, but (laughs) no, this is a this is a really fun tip. So, um, yeah, find your local newspaper, have a blog on your website, write a few things, 
because what happens, especially for my my wife's practice, they said, hey, I went on your blog. I found this article. I think it's a great fit. Could we use it for our newspaper? And you're like, yes, please. Yes. Right away. <laughs> as long as I can put as seen in XYZ yeah. newspaper on my website. Thank That's you very right. much. <laughs> I actually got to think about that now because maybe I should do that. Although, oh, you yeah, have to. Cool. Yeah. yeah, you have to do that. I've it's great. It. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Anyways, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you got to know where to find them. You have to also know when to find them. You know, for example, if I was working with kids um, and we've had many clinicians in our practice who have, so I'll do some of the marketing for the practice and I'll market to sco- uh, schools. But I usually do that around August. Our schools start beginning of September and just sent out just like a little email to the um, the school counselors and the psychologists and say, look, I know the floodgates are about to open. And I know it's going to be a heck of a year. Mm-hmm. I just want to remind you to breathe and know that I'm here when you need me. Beautiful. Simple. Yeah. They're so appreciative. Or to reach out to that um, family uh, community center or the family center within the school district and to say, I know this, that you know school year is about ready to start. You're probably putting together your programming for your um, your behavioral health staff. Can I help you out with a lunch and learn? Is there is there a topic that you you'd like to present to them that I can help you out with so you could take it off your desk? Yeah, yeah. Those are That's the kind great. of things that you have to think about. When is a good time to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, go ahead. I was I was gonna, one thing that we do too. On top of that, those are gr- those are such good ideas. Is we we'll just write them thank you notes. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your work in the community. Mm-hmm. We know this mm-hmm. has been a really difficult year. And we value the work you do with the with the kids in our schools. Yes, isn't that you awesome? Just, you could just do that, right? Oh because, yeah, uh, <laughs> and feel like good about it. Yeah, and, it's very know? genuine. It's very genuine. Don't include and your business card then. No, just write God, them a no. thank you note. <laughs> I don't give anybody a business card unless they ask for one. I don't. Yeah, it's just you know it's. If we're if you can have anything, have a rack card in your in your office, or if mm-hmm, people ask mm-hmm. for stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, you Sorry, gotta was, know. I interrupted you there. That's so. okay. <laughs> that's okay. I was just thinking about what you said because that's a good. Those are good points. I mean, it's just really important to remember you're coming from a heart of service. You want to help. How can I help you? How can I help you? How can I help you? That's what I'm always thinking when I'm thinking about how am I going to reach out? Because I, you know, you might get really nervous about. Oh, I feel so uncomfortable sending these emails or, or these letters. I feel so uncomfortable following following up. But if you can just remind yourself, look. They need to have somebody to refer to. I want to know how I can help them. That will help calm you so that you can then go out and say that. Yeah. All right. You know, if if someone calls you and says, you know, do you take my insurance? You know, the first thing I say is, well, before we get into the business end of things, can you just give me a brief idea of what you're looking for in counseling so I know if I'm the right person for you? And it's like, whoa, they don't know what to do with that because they didn't know that was the most important question. Yeah. And even let's just back up. Let's just say even answering the phone or returning phone calls. Yes. Most therapists don't. We don't. From my clients all the time, we make sure we have Uh an intake process in place. And they'll say, you're the first therapist to call me Mm -hmm. back. And I've called 15 of them. That is so embarrassing to me. Isn't it? it? Yeah. I just feel so embarrassed for our profession when I hear that. 
And I get it. I get being so early. But even if it has to be on your on the voicemail for you to say, I'm sorry, I'm not taking new clients right now. Yeah. And I don't return phone calls. <laughs> yeah. It's like, why do you have a phone number if you just don't refer, return them? Well, we could go on that, that yeah. forever, too. <laughs> but just, it's, it's, the thing is, it's low-hanging fruit, right? Yes. So if this, is, if this is kind of a norm in mental health, just, answer, mm. just returning phone calls yes. just means so much. Like, it just says, I hear you. I see you. You're actually important to me. Before mm. I even know you, I'm returning. I'm taking time to return this phone call. Yes. And, and I can't even tell you how many private pay clients I've gotten because they said, I've put out so many phone calls to people who take my insurance and I don't get any phone calls back. I want to make an appointment with you. I don't care if I have to pay out of pocket if yeah. you can see me. They are now justifying the value, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Because can they can that? be seen. Yeah. That you just actually um, are professional enough to return the phone call and mm -hmm. and see if you're even a good fit for them. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, returning phone calls that should just be part of your marketing strategy. <laughs> <laughs> you would think so. You would think so. Yes. Yeah. What else? We have a we've been talking about plans for outreach and referrals and things like yep. that. Anything else? Yes. Um, so you also need to know what they need and desire. Remember, you're going back to. What keeps them up at night? What are they excited about? What do they desperately need more than anything else? You've got to know that stuff in order to reach out so that you have something to say to them, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it's okay to say, I can only imagine how busy you are running this, this practice of yours with all these folks with all kinds of medical issues. I can only imagine how overwhelming it is when anxiety and depression and everything else gets in the way. Tell me what else. Tell me what else gets in the way of you making the kind of referrals you want to make in the community. Yeah. yeah. Just ask them and they'll tell you. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to be able to share then, um, who you, you know, like you said, you're going to just write a card once in a while saying, thanks so much for the work that you do. Or maybe I know that uh, a particular referrer of mine likes to play golf and I hear about a new golf course that's opening up in town. I'll, I'll write a note and I'll say, Hey, did you hear such and such is opening, you know, January or June 1st. Um, it's just a really nice thing to do to be able to introduce people you know i would I, I will i will call somebody who is a referrer of mine and i'll say you know i was just thinking that you might have a lot in common with or, or could uh, benefit from knowing so so such and such how would you feel about me making an introduction and they're like oh yeah that's great wow and i'll do that and they're so grateful and what i do is i just send an email include both of them and i just literally say hey joe this is john john does blah 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 and i thought you guys would do well to talk to each other john this is joe and i know joe by blah 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 i'm, I'm gonna leave it up to you guys take care and then i just put it out oh that's huge they love it wow and they know you care about them because you want to show you know you can share what you know you can share you know articles you can share things for the patients you know to keep in the waiting room mm -hmm. but you can also share that you care you can share um people that you know and want to be that connector yeah. um you know because when people say no to you they don't really mean no most of the time you just mm -hmm. haven't given them enough reason to say yes yet yeah so don't get, yeah, don't be shy. Don't give up too quickly. If some, if you, people say, well, I called on that person. I never got one referral. And I say to them, how many times did you call on them? Well, I called on once. I didn't want to bother them. Well, okay. Well, you're not bothering them, but you're also not giving them any reason whatsoever to remember you. That's true. At all. Yeah. So and find out what they need to know in order to say yes. 
Yes. And I think that's absolutely right. And you need to make it a part of your, your monthly or weekly schedule flow as a practice mm-hmm. owner. Set some mm-hmm. time to write mm-hmm. cards. Is it once a month? Is mm-hmm. it once a week? Those small little things, those little touch points are so important. It doesn't take much time. It just takes some intentionality and it could mm-hmm. just do so much for your practice. Yeah. And one, la- one last tip on doing it. I, you can do it as a part of the every day. For example, I'll have a client that I share with a, a psychiatrist. I know they're going to see them in a couple of weeks. I'll just um, send, I'll print out a copy of my note for the day. I'll, I'll write the note knowing the psychiatrist is going to read it. I will, you know, print out the note and I'll just handwrite on there. Um, just wanted to share this with you. I knew you were following up with them next week. Thanks so much. And then I just fax it to them. Yeah. Yeah. It, t- it, just, took, it takes a second to do, you know, a few seconds. Yeah. No, that, and that's great because that actually builds trust. Like, oh, this person's mm-hmm. responsible. This person's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you as the clinician are now, implant, you know, they're remembering you because of those really good interactions. Yes. And it shows oh. you appreciate them. I appreciate my referrers so much. I've had people who, I have people who ref- have been referring to me for almost 30 years. Mm. It's incredible. I am so grateful for those people. I'm so grateful for the clients that they've sent me and the opportunities that they've given me to help those people. Yeah. Well, well, I know, I know talking with my clients that going private pay is, is, is such a massive mindset. And we talked about, it's a mindset thing for them to, to get over uh, and know that the, it's okay on the other side. <laughs> and yeah. so we talked about some kind of some tactics and things, how to do that. But I'm curious as we close out, like, how can they get in touch with you? Because I imagine the majority of the work that you do with practice owners is on the mindset, is mm-hmm. just not just the strategic plan, but how to actually think about it and move forward. So how can they find out more about, oh. about your services there? Thanks. The, um, I think the easiest thing I, I can do is offer it. I have a free training online. It, they just go to privatepaypractice.com. And if you go there, there's a free training there. And then you'll get in, um, you'll start getting the emails. And you'll get to know about, you know, you get, I think the training is pretty good. Um, it's, it was fun to do. And mm-hmm. you'll learn more about the, the group that I, that I offer. Oh, great. So trainings, and that's probably why you say maybe it's a good fit. If you want to take the next step, there might be a coaching group or something after mm-hmm. that. Yep. Oh, great. Yeah, it's wow. a great, we have a great group. I love it. It's, um, it's, a, it's a group um, coaching where we have, there's a training that involves a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's a, re- it's a really comprehensive training, but it also has a group element to it in like a private Facebook group. And then we meet uh, for one-to-one coaching uh, session, the group does. Uh, every Thursday at noon, and I've have had people come into that that group meeting for over two years now. Wow! They just wow. keep coming because they get so much out of it. It's so supportive. You know how it is when you're with yeah. other clinicians. It's great. You need it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so you're much welcome. for joining me on the podcast today. All right, folks. Thanks for listening. If you found the conversation useful, subscribe to the podcast and please join me next time for the Brand Your Practice podcast.